1: Oscar Mike Radio. Come in. Come in, Oscar Mike Radio. Sinister One, this is Oscar Mike. I have Ulima Charlie over. <laughs> Good evening. It's Travis with Oscar Mike Radio. Today is not Thursday. I mean, this podcast is playing on Thursday, but it's actually Monday, January 8th. And if you were to see me right now, you would see a very rare occurrence. I'm dressed in Georgia Bulldog gear, a kind of reddish orange, uh, black and white ensemble with the bulldog going uh, pretty excited right now and that's pretty uh, rare and you might be asking well hey aren't you an lsu fan and you'd be correct yes i am lsu fan for many 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 years so why on this day right now am i wearing a uh, bulldog attire there's two reasons the first, uh, one of my first kind of quasi-guests was Jill St. Jake's out of uh, Georgia who makes hats, scars, gloves for veterans. She's a big Bulldogs fan. I'm wearing it for her. And I'm also wearing it for my good friend, uh, Tim Too Easy uh, Montjoy. That's his call sign. we're going to call him Too Easy. Uh, from Operation Teammate. And Operation Teammate creates events for military and first responders, children, uh, to go to sporting events, uh, educational events, mentoring events for the kids and for the people uh, interacting with the children. He's a big uh, Bulldogs fan. And Tim was on uh, episode 60 and episode 30. Well, episode 60, which was about uh, August or September, uh, 2017 predicted that the Bulldogs would play for the national championship, and sure enough, in a couple minutes, they will be doing that. So before the game starts, I am wearing uh, my gear, all duded out, looking like a bulldog fan. And all I can say is, Jill and Tim, go dogs! Ruff, 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 ruff. So I'll have a picture of that on the. Uh, blog posts for the episode, of uh, me recording with my headphones on and trying to look cool while, uh, we're doing this, but thanks for being here tonight. Um, like I said, this episode will air Thursday night, but, uh, it's being recorded Monday night and I am happy you are here. I'm happy that, um, you know, uh, we have the opportunity to do this. This is the second episode of 2018. And what am I talking about? Well, I want to talk about uh, Peter Mims, who, uh, long story short, played hide-and-go-seek with the Navy for a week and has quite possibly taken the overall military or U.S. military prize for a hide-and-go-seek champion. However... However, I would be remiss if I did not mention the prior champion and tell you what, I'm going to tell his story first, just briefly, then we'll go into Mr. Mims and you tell me either on my Facebook page or as a comments or on Twitter or Instagram who you think uh, deserves the honor still. November 30th, 1995, which means I was in Hawk School. We got a story about a Marine that who used his uh, boot camp combat water survival skills to save his life. Marine Lance Corporal, it's an E3. Zachary Mayo fell off the... Uh, deck of his ship okay he was aboard the USS America and he was a uh, aviation maintenance engineer he was assigned to the marine air squadron so he was an air winger which means he was not a grunt he was not you know he was a pogue but you know he he wasn't a grunt my point is he wasn't one of these type of people who was in water all the time Uh, us air wingers only go in the water for uh, swim crawl scuba diving or you know just stay cool it's not like our ground pounding brothers where we get in the water all the more th- they get in the water all the time and we're in Hawk school and you know everything should shut down because the the powers that be want to tell us about how this marine took his boot camp skills and saved his life okay because he floated for a grand total of two days and two nights, 48 hours, using a skill you pick up in boot camp. And what is that skill? That skill is being able to take your cami blouse and turn it into a life preserver. And you might be asking yourself, well, how do you do that? And the simple answer is, you you. You unbutton the top button and you start blowing into the cami blouse while it's wet. Now, the the material kind of traps air behind it when it's wet. So, if you're, you know, up to your neck in water, you can kind of at least get enough air going in there to keep your head above water. And as long as the blouse stays wet, it will hold the air and save your life. I mean, we actually did this. I mean to some degree of expertise you took a lot of practice but once you got the basic technique down you could basically take your you know plain jane Candy blouse and turn it into a life preserver because if you had your sleeves rolled up it, it, it really trapped the air around your chest and this guy you know lance corporal Mayo, stayed alive they thought he was dead called the search a pakistani fishing boat picked him up i'll have um i found an old article off the chicago times I'll put into the blog post site, and it was a pretty cool story. But I remember in Hawk school, after Thanksgiving, you know, uh, the colonel was extremely happy that this Marine survived and wanted to make sure that in the future, in the fleet, that we took our combat water survival training very seriously instead of just goofing around. So for a while there, I mean, and, and the reason I call him the kind of reigning champion is it was found out later that the reason... He didn't just you know fall overboard he purposely jumped overboard to avoid uh, having to um, do uh, remedial pt or remedial weigh-in he had a, he had a weight problem and this was all just a big gag to get him out of uh, having to weigh in and deal with uh, the consequences of being overweight which is another podcast entirely but anyway it come to find out it wasn't you know an accident he purposely jumped overboard just i guess life can suck that bad that you want to do that so that was in 1995 uh, sure military guys like college kids like young kids in that age range well, even older sometimes do stupid things they're human they're guys i'm not saying they're dumb but we we haven't quite got uh, everything balanced out to so where we're making good decisions yet. So last June, I'm reading the the um, you know, military times, and I'm reading about a guy by the name of Peter Mims, who same thing. His command, his people thought that he had um, fallen overboard. And start a big, huge shindig where they're trying to find this guy. And it was in the Pacific Ocean um, near Australia, I believe. And, you know, they started doing this thing, right? Looking for him. And, you know, they uh, go look for him and they can't find him. They can't find him. And, you know, they're not sure what's going on. And then they found him a week later. He, he was um, not in a good way. And um, as of right now, this is June, he, he got to go in front of the man in July and has been discharged from the Navy. And at first I'm thinking this is just a plain Jane, you know, bird. Navy, Navy puke doing his thing and, you know, just just a just nasty, not even worth looking at. But then I started doing some reading around in certain news articles that had, you know, dug a little deeper in this. And this is where a different side of the story comes away. Now, still, um, not for nothing, the fact that this guy was able to hide on a, on a U.S. naval vessel for a week undetected is pretty amazing. And I, I just want to tell you a little bit about the ship he was hiding on. He served on the USS Shiloh, okay, which uh, is a Ticonderoga-class cruiser, missile cruiser. And uh, based the Ticonderoga-class is is a ship that holds a bunch of missiles. I know it's not very scientific or precise, but... For the sake of the story, it, they hold a bunch of missiles. In other words, they're not like a destroyer that has the big guns that you see in the movies and they're firing the shells, you know, a mile, five miles away at targets. These hold missiles that can be fired at aircraft or um, other other ships or even, you know, um, land-based targets. A tomahawk missile, if you will. Um, they can fire all kinds of missiles, Right. So um, this, this wasn't a transport ship. This wasn't an aircraft carrier. This wasn't a um, logistics ship or a fueler ship. This was a missile destroyer. And To give you an idea of how large it is, uh, you know, you, you look it up in the Navy's website, and this thing clocks in at uh, a little bit over about 570 feet long, about two football fields long. And at its widest point, or the beam, it was 55 feet. Had a draft of 34 feet. So you're talking about a vessel that is as long as two football fields. And you can walk 100 yards in, what, a minute? You can, you know, some people do 100 yards in six seconds running the track, or maybe eight seconds, I don't know. What I'm trying to say is, is there's not a lot of real estate, especially when you consider that it is 55 feet wide. So um, we're talking at its widest point. It's, what, less than half the the, the, the the length of a football field? Not very big. Not very big. Um, you're talking um, total crew uh, complement of about 400 people in that space. There's not a lot of room to go undetected by human eyes on a, on a boat that size. When you consider how big it is. And yeah, it's a big piece of metal floating in the, the ocean. But still, there's 400 people on this thing in, in a space that's 55 feet wide, it's wide as its widest point and about as long as two football fields. So again, not a lot of opportunity to go completely undetected for an extended period of time. So the first thing they thought was, well, this guy just fell overboard. They called up um, some other units, other other, came international incident. They looked for him and thought he was gone. And then a week later, He's found. He was in a common area and was found by the sailor. That sailor didn't report him at the time because he thought Mims would beat him up and told his uh, NCO in the morning. And they went and looked for him again and found him covered in his own uh, feces and excrement. He had a water bottle like one of those um, multi-tools, I have one in the Marine Corps, it was SOG, some candy, and peanut butter in, in, in the bowels, in the deepest, darkest part of the USS Shiloh. And again, when you, when, you, when, you, when you hear about the story, I mean, for a lot of us in the military, we kind of laughed and chuckled on it. And a lot of us did remember that Marine who fell, who jumped, fell overboard. And it was just like, okay, you know, one ship bird, you know, off the of ship, on to the next thing. But then I started reading, and I'll have this link in the blog site, is, you know, this, this wasn't all the story. And this is where I think the story gets a little sad in, in my view. Um, and, and maybe this is one of those things where you really can't rush the judgment, and I'll tell you why. Uh, come to find out this sailor had problems. The the sailor had issues going on and he had sought help. Now, his um, first issue was he had um, financial issues. He was an E3, uh, pulling an E3 pay, which isn't that much. And he was in debt to the U.S. Navy, which I'm still looking at this one, but this is what the Navy Times said. He was in debt to the Navy for $7,000. And I don't know what that would be for. I don't know. I didn't realize the, the navy S organization loaned money to their sailors. I know the Marine Corps didn't, and you could get a, a credit line extended at the um, at the PX or commissary, but that was nowhere near the tune of, of seven grand. I don't know how that happened, but still, um, that's seven thousand dollars. Seven thousand um, dollars that is a lot of money for somebody. Let me see if I can look it up real quick. So, the monthly pay for this guy was anywhere from eighteen to two thousand dollars a month. And consider that a $7,000 loan you're probably paying anywhere from I don't know two to three hundred dollars a, a month to pay it off in, in, in three to five years. After taxes, you're probably taking close to a thousand dollars a month home. Uh, that's pretty significant, that's a pretty big nut to crack every month. Not to mention other living expenses, because in addition to his financial woes, we know that Peter Mims was having problems with his marriage, like serious issues with his marriage. Don't know the extent of the issues, don't know who was at fault or who was not at fault or what went on. But again, you have a young kid married with his, um, wife, six, 7,000 miles away. And there are problems there. There are, there are problems. And uh, again, I don't want to focus on that as what the problems could be. I don't know, but again, it's hard enough being married as it is. And then you couple the fact that you're taking home $1,000 a month after taxes and after your your payment to the Navy. Money's tight. Um, If your wife is not working, it's even tighter. And if she is working, it's still not where you want to be. And I say that because I I knew guys who tried this, thinking that this was the answer to getting out of the barracks. And um, the cost was worth nothing when you finally figured out how much you were paying. So, he was having financial issues. He was newly married, having problems with his marriage. He was a long way away from his wife. And... This turned into problems with his uh, fellow sailors, immediate uh, NCO leadership, and his officers. And the thing was, it, it's documented now that he went to the chain command. He, he, his, his fellow sailors knew he had a problem. They got behind him. They told uh, the NCOs he had a problem. And he went to his um, captain of the ship, Captain Ayok, Ayok. Uh, A-Y-C-O-C-K, Icock. I think that's how you say it. Anyway, he went to his captain to get some help and figure this out. Now, what could his captain do? I don't know, but, y- you know, there's a way to at least show that sir, there's a way out. If you get a plan, follow it. Get some kind of help. And the the unfortunate, brutal truth is uh, he went to his his leadership for help and he didn't get any. And the situation deteriorated even more. And there's a lot of uh, hassle and stress and and scrutiny going on because you had two ships that had uh, the USS John McCain and uh, one other ship that had collided with other ships in the ocean, which was very embarrassing. completely upended certain careers and people were on, you know, tight razor wire uh, tempers and and their ability to handle other difficult situations. And for whatever reason, he went for help and didn't get it. And this is what happened. And so while it's easy to sit there and say this guy was nothing but a, 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 a shit bag, shit bird, who deserved what he got anyway, I didn't know what to think because I, I, I never had a situation where I, I was like this guy. I wasn't married my first um, couple of years in the Marine Corps. I got married my last year in. And honestly, I shouldn't have gotten married at all. Uh, if I had my way, no one would get married their first four years in. It's not a good idea. It's just my opinion. I don't care if you don't like it. I've seen too many broken guys and hurt wives because of it. Your second enlistment, you won't get married. Fine. But um, you have that, you have financial issues, and you have this go on. So who's the bigger ship bird? Is it, is, it, is, it, is it Seaman Mims who just couldn't deal and this is what he did? Is it his um, you know, shipmates that, that didn't really pitch in to help him out and let it get to this point? Or is it his uh, captain who, for whatever reason, with everything he has going on running his ship in the middle of the ocean just couldn't take the time to get this guy the help he needed. And again, I don't know what you can do in the middle of the ocean to get this guy help, but it is documented and I'll have it in the blog post where he didn't get the help he needed. So it's unfortunate. So yeah, it's it's hide and go seek Navy style. Um, I would say this guy in my view probably wins the contest if you will. Between um, the Marine and um, the Navy, but certainly the situation around this was a lot sadder. And, and this 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 guy is going to be separated from the Navy, probably with a dishonorable discharge. And the rest of his life is going to be very difficult finding a job, accessing certain benefits, getting into the VA if he needs for the mental help. I can go on, 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 not to mention what may have happened to his wife, family, her family. Um, this has had a domino effect. So yeah, well, it's all fun and games, ha ha ha, you know, somebody hit on a ship for a week, there's a, there's a story behind it and, uh, I'd be curious to know what you think. So just pop me an email or Facebook message. Uh, my email is Travis So I want to end, uh, episode 75 before the game comes on with something that is to me very unique and different that I'm going to try to, uh, Get into and, and learn more about. I was on the Irreverent Warriors Boston uh, Facebook page and I saw this uh, advertisement, if you will, for um, a Veterans Power Breath and Meditation Workshop, and it's put on by uh, Project Welcome Home Troops. That is uh, their website is pwht.org. And it is, how do they say this? It's the Power Breath Meditation Workshop is a mind-body program that emphasizes techniques to build resiliency. It offers practical breath-based tools that decrease stress, anxiety, anger, and sleep problems, resulting overall well-being. And I was pretty, I was pretty impressed. I'm like, wow, that's, that's just breathing, huh? And I, I got to talk to one of the people putting it together going to have him on the podcast next week, and it just looks very, very interesting. This is the kind of thing I really want to showcase and talk about. This is a a, a non-pharmaceutical way to cope with uh, problems that veterans with PTSD or other kinds of issues may have. I don't know much about it. I'm gonna find out a lot more about it. I'm gonna to try to go to the class if if, if things work out. But I, I think it's I think there's some value there to, to check this out. And if you are a veteran that you know experiences these issues, um, you can go to the class, it's free. Uh, for more information you can email Chuck Foster, that's Chuck.foster at PWHT.org or call him at 978-314-7052 you can find uh project welcome home troops on google and youtube and hope you get to check them out and, and see what this is all about the class starts january 24th and goes to the 28th um it goes through a couple weeknights and uh the weekend that weekend and it's at the va boston Healthcare in and uh, roxbury mass so um I'll be putting this up Be talking to some of the people doing this and um, if you hear about it and want to find out more you can certainly email others to or go to the Reverend Warriors Boston page and get some uh, info there so that's it for episode 75 again go dogs and Jill and Tim I hope you get the uh, when you guys have been craving it's been a long time for Georgia and um, all I can say about our Hide and Go Seek Champion is sometimes when people say they need help, uh, we've got to make sure we have the time and the materials to help them out. And um, I'm going to talk to these guys from the uh, Power Breath Meditation Workshop and have them on for episode 76. This is Travis with Oscar Mike Radio, and I am out. Oscar Mike Radio, over and out. Da, da,
0: da, 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 da.
1: Oscar Mike Radio, do you copy? Since the one actual, I have you five by five. Oscar Mike Radio is in route. Copy that, Sinister One. Coming at you from the City of Champions, Brockton, Massachusetts. Come in, Oscar Mike Radio. Oscar Mike Radio. Veteran in action. On the move, on mission, always.